I'm Jessica, and this is ATC Presents Debake Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas. Today, I have a very special guest with me. It is Jeannie Chang, aka Nunas Nunshi. Hey, how are you? Hey, hey, so glad to be here. Yes, um, we're going to be reviewing a very special K-drama that I know is near and dear to your heart. But um, yeah, I know you from Instagram. I know you from social media. And it has been such a nice journey into your content and to um, exploring K-dramas through a mental health lens, which I have never thought of in my like decade plus of watching K-drama. <laughs> oh, really? Well, that's cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it's so nice to have you here on the show. Um, for those who don't know, um, we're just going to do a quick like rapid fire. Like what is your K-drama background? Um, so how long you've been watching K-drama and like what was your first K-drama? Those are some great questions just to get some context before we dive deep on the show we're going to be reviewing. Sure, sure. So without dating myself, I probably will be dating myself. I think my first foray into K-dramas was way back when my, when I was going back and forth from Korea, when I, you know, I was born in Seoul, South Korea, came to the U.S. fairly young, but we would go every other summer, pretty much every summer to visit grandparents and family. And I would see like my cousins and my aunts and uncles and my grandparents having these Korean dramas in the background. So those are the classic Korean dramas and they were mostly historical dramas. Oh, but as a kid, you're like, ew, what are they watching? Ew. Right. So that was my first experience. And I would just get annoyed because you're just hearing gibberish to me. Uh, the Korean was so complicated, the Chosun dynasty and all that. Oh, yeah. And they didn't have subtitles back then. So I'd be like, um, and I could understand it, but it was very difficult. But my so that's the, how I grew up. And so I really didn't have a good image of K-dramas until um, that latter half of high school. So that's the early 90s. So I just dated myself. OK, but um Folks would be talking about K-dramas in my peer groups. And, you know, these were Korean people. These were Korean Americans at my church. Mm -hmm. And I remember going, what, what those, oh, those dramas that I saw, they're freaky. Like, I remember thinking, they're like, no, they're actually good. And I was like, and this is the early nineties. So this was just when K-dramas were somewhat, somewhat booming K-pop kind of coming into the atmosphere at this point, everything very new. Um, And they were talking about a specific drama and I'll talk about that shortly, but I remember just kind of ignoring all that talk. So again, not into them, but I went to college in 19, now back in like 1994 to 1996, which is my latter half of college. Wow. Really dating myself. At <laughs> NYU, NYU has a huge Korean international student population. And of course they became my friends, right? And they, they loved making fun of me because my Korean was very uh, American, like my uh, accent, but I learned a lot from them. Uh, and some good and bad, meaning, wow, I really don't like at this aspect of the Korean culture. So I really started hearing all these K-dramas they were talking about. And I remember they said about a specific one or specific actress, Chijinshan. And I want to talk about her. She's the sad news. I'm going to just say it. She did end up dying by suicide mm. um, at the age of 40. But she was the it K-drama queen, kind of like Sonia Jin, Kong Hyo Jin, all the people that we see now, she was it. And she was super bubbly. And, and what I liked about her characters on K-dramas, the first one that I watched technically that I loved was Chiltu, meaning jealousy in Korean. And it was out, I saw it in 1996, but it might've come out before then. But that was when I graduated from college. And it's pretty much what you see now, very dated back then in the 90s. But 
chipper young girl, feisty Korean girl that was poor, right? Um, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of another one. Sorry. This one was, <laughs> was feisty, but had a best friend. And it was like this love triangle. And Jiltu meaning jealousy was all about how their friendship blossomed to love, but it kind of came for her first. Does that make sense? And she was heartbroken when he dated someone else. You know, the classic. Yeah. Trope, right? Yeah. But I loved it. And the reason why it's very important to what I'm doing now is it really shifted my Korean American identity. Mm. Meaning before that, because I'm Korean American, did not like being Korean American. I wanted to be American. I was like, wait, wait, I don't like my hair. I don't like the fact that we, you know, I speak Korean and we also eat Korean food. But then I saw this K-drama and it just looked cool. The culture looked cool to me. So no one was telling me stuff about K-dramas at this point. I watched it, developed the love for K-dramas and Korean culture myself. And that was the beginning of my K-drama journey. And that was 1996. And all those 1996 dramas, there's a famous one called Sandglass, Morishige. I think I remember sobbing my way through it. It's one of those grippingly sad ones. Oh. Um, and actually, you know who was in that? Lee Jung-jae from Squid Game. Oh, nice. Yeah. He played a bodyguard. But I remember sobbing my way through it and then also identifying with the emotions, hence what I'm doing today. So that's those are my first, that was the first one. That was 1996. But I do want to share a little bit of a, a, a what's it called? A hiatus that I did. Yeah. From K dramas when I was busy raising kids. Uh, and I remember thinking, it's so funny because I talk to busy moms now and I recommend them watching K-dramas to help. But I think I was just so busy because I had four kids at one point under the age of six and a half. So oh, wow. it was crazy. Yeah. And I did not watch K-dramas from like, I would say 2000 or 1999, 2000 to 2012. Mm. So that's like 12 years. I'm not watching. Uh, and then I came back into it actually with my love from uh, another star. Oh, my wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's when I that was the 2014 drama, I think. And that's when I was like, what? Okay. This is why I loved K dramas. And then, you know, you know, back then Kim I mean, he's so cute. That was such a great drama. So that kind of brought me back into the K drama world. So yeah. my journey is kind of long 1996 to 2022, but like I had a hiatus, a hiatus of 10 years. That is very interesting. I did. I remember having a a hiatus myself, not because I was raising kids, but I just kind of got a little bit passionless for K-dramas and just kind of jumped off and got more into films. But I love your story. I love how you talk about K-dramas in almost like reverently. And um, that's the way that I feel about K-dramas as well, is like you can glean so much from them. Um, And the show that we're going to review today is actually one that I glean so much off of. And I'm so glad that I get to share this with you. Um, In case you don't know, we are reviewing My Mister today. Um, and really quick housekeeping. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all of them. If you like us, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes such a long way for us to get seen by other people like you or heard by other people like you. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Always Critic. Nope. That's our original one. Our home podcast is at Always Critic Pod, but this one is at ATC Debug Pod. Um, and if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash always critic pod. Okay, let's get into it. So um, I'll read the quick Asian wiki synopsis and get through this cast and people that were behind the, the camera. Um, Asian wiki synopsis. 
reads, a man in his 40s withstands the weight of life. A woman in her 20s goes through difficult experiences, but also withstands the weight of her life. The man and woman get together to help each other. My Mister originally aired from March to May 2018. It's 16 episodes long, and I watch it on Netflix. So if you want to watch it, it's currently on Netflix. It was directed by Kim Won-suk, and he also directed... Arthdal Chronicles Signal, which we reviewed on season one of the pod, and you can go back, scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to that. He also directed Sun Kyung Kwan's Scandal. Um, it's co-directed by Kim Sang-woo, who directed Extraordinary You from 2019, The King in Love from 2017, and Hospital Ship. So those are more like love dramas. It's kind of interesting to see like the two directors and how they worked out the vibe of this show because it is like a meshing of their of their shows and their styles um my mister is written by pake young and she wrote another miss O on from 2016 and that is also available on netflix currently we don't have a ton of people to talk through because this is not a huge ensemble well it is an ensemble cast but there's two main people and it stars Lee sung kyun as pak dong-un and he is ajashi um, he has nearly 40 credits to his name for movies, including, of course, Parasite from 2019. And for TV, you can see him in like Dr. Brain, Pasta, Coffee Prince. Guys, like he's pretty prolific. Um, of course, he plays off of his co-star IU, who plays Ijian. And she has been in, I think there's, this is like an anthology set of short stories and it's called Persona. This is a Netflix original. And then she's been in a bunch of TV shows as well. Hotel de Luna, Moon Lovers, <laughs> The Producers, You Are the Best, and Dream High. I recognize her from Dream High. I'm always like, oh yeah, it's IU from Dream High. <laughs> Which is a little bit older drama. But yeah, so that's, now that that's out of the way, can you tell me what your thoughts are on my mister? I love the reminder, though, of the background of Asian Wiki, just who was starring and who directed. And sometimes I get so into the actual drama and storylines, I sometimes forget who directed and who wrote it. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, IU actually, um, I started watching, I know IU from her songs, her her, her, her Korean singing, but Dream High, she, that's something, I'll admit, I did not see Dream High. Because oh. that passed the 2013 window. So I went back and watched a lot of them, but I didn't do Dream high, so I have to make sure I do I do watch that because I've heard good things. But you were gonna say something about IU. IU has the voice of a fairy angel, oh, yeah. and okay. I love her music as well. Like I think she's more of a music artist today than I consider her an actress, but uh yeah, her acting, well, we'll talk about it, but yeah, yeah go go right ahead. Talented. Hence in my mister. Okay, well, I would rate my mister like um a hundred out of a hundred. <laughs> so I my mister is one of my favorites. I, it's a tie with the, with another one, reply 1988, another story, but my mister is one of my ultimate favorites because not just of the story and the experience of watching, like we love watching K-dramas, but because of the, uh, the mental health, <laughs> um, messages and life stories that we can apply that we see on the show that you can apply in real life and the acting that I think obviously is underrated in the sense of you don't hear about me. The funny thing is my Mr. One, the best uh, K-drama of the year, FYI. But people don't talk about that. They remember like Mr. Sunshine, which was also that year. I mean, there's quite a bit that year. So it went a little underrated, I think, except their acting was brilliant because it was real, like real and raw. You don't have to overly cry to be like this great actress. I just love their monotoneness, actually, to be honest with you, the way they talked, 
was very flat because of what they were experiencing. And I talk about it being a good example of depression, actually, but I can't even say enough. So I'll pause there, but I love this K-drama and not a lot of people. No, actually, I should, I should rephrase that. A lot of people watch it. A lot of people have loved it, but I could talk about it forever. <laughs> it's my staple. I tell folks, if you want to find a K-drama that affects your mental health in a good way, obviously, I'm not going to recommend something that might be stressful. I said, just stick with it. But by the end, you will feel some sort of way that's just, I think, very encouraging and in a, in a really empowering sort of sense. Mm, I, I agree with you. I, this is my first time watching my mister. And I honestly, I avoided it because I saw the age gap between the two leads. And I I hate age gap romances. And I hate, um, I just dislike age gaps. I find it uncomfortable. And especially when it's like older man, younger woman, I'm like, okay, that's even more cliche. Like, so I almost, I just like wrote it off. I was like, even if it's not a romance, this just looks really bad to me. Hmm. And that's some of the critics that the critique that they got in Korea. I'm sure. Uh, But I think after watching it, I feel very apologetic to um, the show because I loved it. It It's bar none, like top five K-dramas to me of like of all time. And I've watched a plenty of K-dramas. This is really, really good. It is not a romance drama, like by any stretch to me. I feel like this is more of, you can't watch it and turn your brain off watching it. You should be paying so much attention to it. It feels um, very moody. It's a winter show and it feels like it. It's melancholy. It's serious. It uses dark colors in the cinematography. And even now looking back on it, I feel like most of the show took place at night. And like, even though I know there were daytime scenes, it just feels like the whole show took place at night. Um, I think a lot of it did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was quite uh, an experience for me. I think that some storylines really resonated with me other than more than other storylines. But their relationship between Ajashi and Ijian is so unique. I don't feel like I've seen such a relationship between other characters in K-drama before. It was like, I was like, how do I even label this? Like, this is like, they just like deeply understand each other and they support each other. And there's this like unconditional, like caring involved and, but they're not family, but like, it's like all of this stuff, like wrapped into their relationship and it is platonic. And I, that might be a spoiler, but it is platonic. And I feel like I want to see more platonic male-female relationships. I'm of the opinion that we haven't quite gotten through the when Harry met Sally, can men and women be friends argument yet. And art or entertainment is constantly trying to test the waters and see if they can craft these kind of relationships that kind that make you think, yes, you can be friends with a man or, or vice versa. Um And I like that about this show tremendously, that this is like a successful, um, believable, uh, platonic relationship between a man and woman. And the the woman happens to be very young and feels very old. It's like all of these things are quite different and unique. And I would say that they did it. They pulled it off really organically in the show. I would agree with you. Um, Definitely. I was going to say, uh, so much to say about that relationship. Yes, it was frowned upon and created, but obviously one of the best dramas. So they overlooked all that and really saw the depth of their relationship. 
So I'll say two things about that because I think that's part of the, the appeal to me and mental health, Chung, which I'll break down a little bit, a Korean concept of connection and kinship, but also it's so funny you talk about when Harry met Sally because I use when Harry met Sally in my work all the time. It actually did become a when Harry met Sally moment because she did have a crush on him. All right, sorry, spoiler alert. But okay, I don't know. If it's That's okay. Spoiler, okay, it's like hard <laughs> to do. It's um that that she did end up developing feelings. Let's put that there mm-hmm. in her own way because he was so good to her and probably the only time she had that in her life, really. That's somebody she trusted. So I was going to point out still that there is some truth to what when uh, Harry and Sally were talking about. You can't be friends with guys and girls because that's what happened to uh, my mister's EGN, right? So she developed some of that, um, I would say in that sense, girl crush, right? But they did it so beautifully. It was not like this, you know, what do you call a distasteful, distasteful way that it was very classy. And going back to Chung, it's because of Chung, which is existent in the Korean culture, Korean concept. I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before, Jessica. Um, but it's hard to describe. Even I'll do my best to say it really alludes to what we see in my mister, the, the depth of a connection they have when they really don't have much in common, but then they have so much in common, right? It's a 40 something year old married man. And she's 21. I think she said, um, what do you have in common for that? Except you could be a father figure, but it wasn't like that. It was a lot. It was friendship. They talked about things, right? He was there for her. She was there for him. And he says that to her later, you know, even though you would think, no, he did more for her. No, he did. She did so much for him too. That's why it's so beautiful. But yeah, that's the Chung there where you have this attachment that's unexplainable, but then it's explainable, but it's not explainable. And that's the concept of Chung. That, yes, I was actually going to ask you about um, Chung as well, because you mentioned it in your videos and I kind of get it, but like, I didn't get it until I watched the show. And then I was like, I can't, I have no words. Like, what is this relationship? Like, it's very um, cool. And I wish that I connected with someone on like a soul level, like they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I feel horrendous about their circumstances and like what they go through. And I think especially for her, I really empathize with her because I watched the show as I'm I'm going to try not to cry. I watched the show in the midst of losing my own grandmother. And so the final episode, I'm no spoilers. You can probably read between the lines. We're going to get to spoilers in a sec, but like I lost my mind. Like I lost my composure. I was crying. I was like, oh my God. And I kind of like knew this was coming. I knew they had to like round it out some way. They had teased this in some dialogue. And I was like, oh my God, like it totally hit me in the feels, as they say. And um, I I really felt for her character like throughout the show. And at first I thought I wasn't, I was fully kind of just like uh, crucifying her in my mind. Cause I was like, how could she do this? Blah, blah, blah. Like, why is she doing this? I have very little sympathy for people that lash out at others because they are feeling hurt because I'll just hurt somebody else. Like I don't feel very sympathetic or empathetic towards those people. But in her case, it was like, she completely like turned me around and her and him too. Like both of them, I'm like, what? In my mind, I'm like, but why? <laughs> like, why are you feeling this way? So I really had to step back and and look at their characters, look at how I was feeling. And, and it was like a journey. Like I'm telling you, I had like a journey on the show and it felt like yeah, really- a journey, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> it is okay. a journey. Yeah, I totally think it is a journey. Yeah. But I just want to share. Wow. Um, well, thanks for sharing that about your grandmother. And as you were, as you lost it, how did you think my Mr. Help? Look, ma'am. Oh my gosh, am I turning into a therapist? Well, how did you think <laughs> it helped? Did it help you process that grief? I think it helped me realize the corners of the grief that I didn't want to like explore because you know, in my case, my grandmother um, has had been suffering from dementia and getting progressively worse. Like the, the disease was completely wrecking with our family dynamics and um, the whole caregiving stuff. I, I don't want to go into details, but like these people don't like to listen to morbid stories. And I feel like at some point the story gets morbid, like she was doing X, Y, Z and that, like, how could she do that? That's crazy. Um and in the end, like she did end up going into an ALF, an assisted living facility. And, you know, she wasted away, essentially. And I felt uh, such a kinship toward EGN's character because of the caregiver situation and how she felt. I know she felt trapped and I know she felt guilty for feeling trapped and how she felt like she couldn't get out of the cycle because it's her family, it's her grandmother that's and in this case, it was the only family she had. And so in the end, like the the whole situation of her getting her grandmother situated in a care facility and him helping her, like I totally understand, like on a deep level, why Ijeon was so appreciative for him taking the time to tell her what she didn't know. Because unless you go through it, you don't know how to like get somebody in an ALF. How, what doctors do I have to talk to? Like what insurance was her husband, was she or her husband a veteran? Like maybe they can get benefits. Like all of this stuff, nobody talks about. And for her to be like, so doing it on her own, I just like felt so deeply for her. Um, and yeah. so the, the way that the story resolves, um, yeah, it just made me feel sad. And even though my saw my grandmother's passing, as inevitable and yes she was she's in a better place and she's not suffering anymore um the fact that they said at the end and i'm not sure if this is spoiler in territory or not but they that's they said she was blessed who said they were blessed? the um it was like the janitor who like raised her as well and ah, he came okay. to the funeral and said, mm -hmm. looked at all the mourners and all the people that were gathered yeah. there and actually looking kind of nice, like not looking so somber. He said, oh, she's blessed, like all the flowers and the wreaths and stuff that were adorning her her area. And then like I just completely <laughs> like for context, we are not having a funeral because my father doesn't feel feel like he can handle like another funeral after losing so many family members. So like in this case, I was like, I felt like I was having the funeral mm. for my grandmother. So <laughs> yeah, no, this is what K-dramas do though. They help you process emotions. So feel free to keep processing as I share. I love, yes, I do remember that. And, um, but I had to point this out and I, how good, how, how picky are we on spoilers, Jessica? You know what? We can go ahead and go into spoiler territory now. Um, yeah. I kind of feel like I know this, but before we get into spoilers, what would you give the show out of five soju bottles? Like, like yeah. 10 soju bottles? 10 soju bottles. I would like double it. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it's so funny. I'm like, oh, social bars. Nobody asked for that. Yeah. 10. So it, obviously a five out of five. Okay. And, uh, but really a 10 because um, there are, so, uh, here's, I'll give you, I'll give, this is a big example from a therapist. It is a, it is that show is therapy for a therapist where I will watch it when I have a crappy day. I will turn it on. Now I'll pick my episode. I'll go, I'll just start today. I'll start episode four, but obviously I can't watch the whole thing depending on, you know, how late it is at night, but I will watch it and grant guaranteed. I will go, Oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Oh gosh, my mister is such a pick me up. People are like, my mister is a pick me up. I'm like, yes, it is. Because you have to see the whole thing once through, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then you'll get it. But, and then you can choose your poison. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I, I easily rated that. Let's put it this way. When I feel like people are depressed, I will offer up that show saying, I need you to watch the show. They go, won't, won't it make me more depressed? I'm like, no, why would I just trust me? Trust my expertise. Why would I recommend something to make you more depressed? No, I go, it will build you up. And so, yes, that is what I hear. And actually from folks go, actually, I was mad at you for a little bit. Cause like, what is episode one through six? I mean, you know what I mean? They were like, I go, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you that. Get through the first several episodes as you're figuring things out, character development, like a classic K-drama. And then once you pass that, you'll see. And then they get that. But I just remember going, oh, I forgot to mention that to some folks, but <laughs> no, the, the blessing part, let's go back to the blessing part. Cause I really want to point, pinpoint what you shared about when someone goes, oh, your grandmother's blessed and Egeon kind of absorbing that. The reason why she was blessed, though, was the kindness of that community. And that is another aspect I want to share of my Mr. Doing So Well, showing kindness. Mm. And we're talking in 2022 when kindness could we could use more kindness. We always say that, but I mean, we really could use some kindness overall in this world. And and my Mr. showed that in a, a simple gesture that somebody made on behalf of Ejian and wanted to make a difference. Do you remember mm-hmm. that scene? And he contributed and made that funeral like a luxury funeral. Mm-hmm. I think that was another moment where I teared up. I like when I say teared up, I'm, I'm just, I'm really mean crying. But you know, when you're like, oh my gosh, that was, do you see that happening these days? Yes, you still do, but that's just a special moment. Yeah, it was definitely very special. And actually, we're going to break for spoilers right now. So if you don't want to be spoiled even more, don't don't tune in anymore. Come back once you've watched the show. It's on Netflix. All right, guys. Hey, you want to come in? But then you have to watch the show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you have to watch the show. Watch the show after we talk about this and, or be, be, uh, yeah, after we talk, no, before we talk about this and then come back and yeah, spoilers. No, that was, um, I don't, and I don't even know if that's a spoiler, but that moment is there's like pivotal moments in my mister that I want to point out. That's one of them where the power of kindness and generosity of, of that Gian got from, you know, Ajashi's family circle because of Ajashi and the connection he has with her. It, it beautifully done. And so they helped her at her funeral where she has no money for a funeral. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that really touched me. And I like that it is a huge moment of character development for the brother who was penny pinching and saving money and putting money in the floor and was stealing money from his daughter's wedding. Like he was like kind of despicable at the beginning of the show. And he really has does a 180 and decides to give and spend all this money that he'd saved, which he valued, you know, like that was his like thing, right? Like I have no money 
And um, he also was kind of hung up on the fact that he might not have any mourners for when his mother passed. And so he was already very sensitive to the fact that there would probably be nobody to support him and his family once their mother passed. And the fact that he did that on, he gave that honor to Ijian, which he, he, you know, he felt it was honorable to have this type of funeral for the mother. And like, oh God, it was... That's why I love. Okay. So the, the other thing about K dramas, you know, this, the side characters, the side leads or the, you know, the people on the peripheral of the main leads are super important. My Mr. Yes, you're right. It's not an ensemble cast, but it is a cast with multiple characters like the brothers, Ajishi's brothers. Um, and one of them brothers, you know, contributing to the funeral, his even character growth is very fascinating, but it's so funny. Cause um, yeah, I just want to say that he also is a, pathetic is the was that too drama he's a little pathetic of a character too you feel bad you're like you're the older brother right and you know and then you think of the shame that he must have so that moment of him spending money all his money and he he was saying i think it was hilarious he's like let me enjoy this moment i think he needed that moment even for his own confidence so that's why i love k-dramas even showing of a gesture that they that yes you think he is doing it for ejian he mm-hmm. also doing for himself. Like I can, oh, I have this money. I have been hoarding. I can donate it and give it. And I think that was a pivotal moment just for his change and him letting go his own demons, if that makes sense. Demons, black and better word, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I think that the brothers are so interesting altogether. Their relationship is different than like other K-drama brothers that I've seen. Like, sure, they they love each other, but they're also empaths and like, they're doing like a lot of sympathy pain in the show. And like the brothers find out about the affair and they like freak out and start this like mourning process, like on Ajashi's behalf. And they get mad at him for like bottling his emotions. And it calls back to like what the mother had said earlier that when one of them is in pain, they all are. Mm. And that it's so funny when they, they're okay. Let's talk about the middle brother. Love him. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like I said, a quirky character, but then I love that he doesn't hide his motions. He shows it on, I guess it makes sense. Cause he, he's a creative, but what I liked was the fact that the irony of it was right. That when he, when he realizes about the affair, the, the middle brother, sorry, that he, um, it's kind of like, what I'm trying to say is the irony of it is, is the fact that he, he learns about the affair. But the affair kind of in, in the wife's defense, not even defense, but her defense to Ajashi or Pak was you kind of choose your brothers over me or your family over me. I felt like she felt marginalized in her own marriage and very isolated, which I know was legit. I mean, that is why divorces can happen or marriages split up or relationships split up. Definitely. He was, you know, there's always a part that he played in this. But I thought it was funny that it's actually... The, the, when the second brother gets so pissed off and kind of asks the wife, oh yes, for some reason, this is a rumor we're hearing, like, you know, or like, you know, it's almost like you had an affair and then silence. Remember that scene? Yeah. Like, that's, that's not true. Right. But I, I, I thought that was ironic that they had the brother kind of show a confrontation, but it was, it wasn't like a confrontation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I hope I'm making sense. How, how I thought it was very well done and artistically done considering she com- not complained. She was very upset about the fact that she never felt like really a part of the family. He would kind of go to his brothers first. And then the brothers are like questioning her. And, and that shows the truth of what's happening is what I'm trying to get at. Another mental health aspect of families being 
complicated, you know? Uh, and I think Pak Tung-un, you're right, could have, and I actually shared that he's, when you're depressed, which I want to point out he was it, throughout the beginning part of it, he couldn't give to his wife. And I guess the comfort was his own family because he knew them longer or was just comfortable. So she had her part, but he has his part too, right? And so just pointing that out. And people are like, oh, Jeannie, Gian was depressed. I disagree. I don't think she was either. No, he was the depressive person uh, or going through this midlife identity crisis, as I like to say. But she, the reason why she looked like it's just because she had a morose look on her face. She was just um, pissed off at the world, right? But she yeah. was actually surviving. And yes, she did about the, the despicable things she's done. Had a lot to do with her, like, you know, revenge on the world. I hate you, blah, 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 but not depressed. Mm. You know, she was trying to survive and yeah. nobody really cared about her. So she gave no crap about the world. Does that make sense? And that's where that came from. Yeah. I, her life. I think she was angry yeah. um, instead of depressed. I feel yeah. like he was, it, he was shutting down. Like he was, yeah. you he know, was, he was struggling and she, oh, she was too, but she was surviving and able to do okay. He just broke down walls going, no, there are people kind in this world, Gian without him saying I'm kind, right? He would mm -hmm. just do these things. I guess we can pivot to the fact that what she did was eavesdrop on everything, but she fell in love with him. I, I don't mean even romantic love, fell in love with his character because of, through the headphones. Mm -hmm. Isn't that yeah. fascinating? Yeah, I, the headphones thing is quite interesting because I, I feel like people can almost live vicariously and become like obsessed with other people's lives and, I feel like social media is a is a huge uh, argument for how she felt about Ajashi because she was looking at his life from the outside in and was like seeing unbiased all the good things and all the bad things and was like still very much enamored by him and how he approached things and his life view. And it just completely makes me think that she was just not romantically in love with him. Like she really did. It was like, it was like a girl crush because what a great man. Mm. Um, and I think she even said it in that confrontation to with his wife. She was pretty bold to be like, so you cheated on him, blah, blah, blah. So she knew all of it because she heard it all. Right. But what I loved is like just saying, you know, how it's almost like, didn't she say, how could you? Uh, how could why you did do you do it? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you do it to this great of a man is what she's kind of indicating. I really also thought that scene was beautifully done because a 21 year old girl is telling off a 40 some year old woman. Yes. She had an affair and she's scolding her, but it's not about that. It's more like, do you not know this? This man's like awesome. <laughs> and I thought that was so cool. And she does that so well in the, in the last five episodes, Gian is so verbal about mm -hmm. how highly she thinks of him. Um, but we'll pause there because there's more to say, but uh, yeah, that's just, uh, just, oh, yeah. It. Yeah. I agree. I think that she actually, let's talk about the infidelity because mm -hmm. I was running the gamut of emotions when he figured out that his wife was having an affair. And I called this whole time in the show, like the phone booth chronicles, <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> it was like, he was like piecing it together. And there was like a, you know, workplace political intrigue also like yeah, in yeah. the mix and, um, I I found the episode where he finally, well, she finally apologizes, like literally 
prostrates herself and gets down on her knees and says, I'm so sorry. Literally, she doesn't even have to say what she's sorry for. And he finally loses it. And he says, the moment you cheated on me with him, you pretty much sentenced me to death. It's the same thing as telling me that I deserve to be cheated on. It means I'm worthless and that I that I deserve to die. And yeah. like, there's like 50 different things you can like say about that that whole statement. But if I, I found it so profound how he, you finally get to see, get to understand what he was feeling other than, you know, breach of trust, betrayal, um, anger, but, you know, this concept that you've like belittled my existence. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. So here's my analysis of that. Yes. He, he was definitely, it was so profound instead of saying, you know, you terrible person, you cheated on blah, blah, blah. And saying that, like, you basically sentenced me to death. I actually believe though, he believed those words and, and it's like turning it onto himself. He also didn't feel good about himself. He definitely, so what I'm trying to say is when he was confronting his wife, he was speaking to himself as well. Does that make sense? It's like, I also have belittled myself. That's my analysis. I see what you're saying in that. I I have a stank face on. (laughs) Because I'm just like, oh, God. Well, because um, he was a depressed person. So uh, when you're kind of in that state, you don't think that you're kind of clouded in this dark cloud of a fogginess that you don't, you're not seeing things straight. You're also not feeling good about yourself. And at that moment, him expressing, remember punching the wall. I mean, I was actually glad to see that. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He doesn't act like that. That was actually, I believe, cathartic. Mm. It was like a shift going, wait a second, wait a second. What this, no, this should not be happening to me. I am, I don't, it's like that pivot to now the latter half of the K-drama that we see him changing. And that's when I say his depression is being worked through, but already at that moment, um, him expressing it, I felt like that was like that moment of like, okay, we're working through your depression. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. Because he's actually feeling something, you know, you're not quite sure. Yeah. 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 You're finally hearing what he's thinking, what he's feeling. And before you weren't quite sure that he was even, I know he was feeling, but like the depression was kind of numbing the sting of the, the infidelity and the blow was very much entwined with his work life, which he was already very conflicted about. So it was like kind of complex. And then finally it's a one-on-one between him and his wife. And that's when like, he like lets loose and punches the door and it's like crazy. I love it. Yeah. And that, yeah. that needed to happen. Not, I'm not saying folks punch a wall, but you got to be able to express your emotions. I mean, that's the whole point of why I talk about K dramas expressing. Uh, and then when the creative brother, middle movie director brother was like, you, you are so frustrating. You suppress them. What he's trying to get at is also that's not normal. You know, mm. you just can't live that way. And that's what was happening to Puck Lin. And that's why the wife felt shut out. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm not justifying her affair, but you can empathize a little bit the situation that the kind of pain she was in, because look at how shut off he was. And then mm-hmm. imagine being married to that. However, I love the fact that um, I mean, this is how K-dramas work, right? She turns around, you see her character development. Yeah. And what she kind of does to help overall situation with the work politics, which is a big part of the story. 
Yeah. Um, I do want to touch back on the community and the neighborhood aspect that you mentioned prior, because there were some funny moments with the neighborhood and uh, moments that just made you really emotional. So like, you know, the one minute they're running all over the neighborhood, ready to throw hands because Ajashi showed up with like a busted face. And then next minute, they're being very gentle with Ayu as they like walk her home. And she lives in a crappy neighborhood. So it was it was a little bit of push and pull. I'm usually not one for these type of side characters um, where they're not quite essential to the story, but it's like they're passing time with the main characters and that's why they're in the K-drama. This set of people were lovely. Like I actually developed such a fondness for them and how they they sort of support Every, all of the main characters and the brothers and all of them, it's like a safe haven for them to hang out with their friends in this bar, in this neighborhood bar. Um, and I love when they drop off Ayu and, or Ijian and they all stop and look at her when she says that she wants to be as old as they are and that because then life will be easier. And they all just stop walking and look at her. And there's this like beat of like all of them realizing that, wow, she's very sad. And wow, she has no idea that none of their lives are easier. <laughs> um, yeah. To me, a paramour, I love the band Paramore when I was growing up. And there's a lyric from them that came to mind when I saw that. It's not that I don't feel the pain. It's just that I'm not afraid of hurting anymore. And at their age, I feel like that's how they go through life. Like, yes, I'm going to be in pain sometimes. Yes, like it's maybe life isn't what I thought it was going to turn out to be. But like, I'm not afraid and sh kind of um, frozen into not doing anything at this point in my life. Wow, I love that. And I remember, and yeah, Paramore, did you, you grew up with Paramore? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> difference now. Just see me. No, I'm kidding. I love it. Um, no, I I love that scene too. I will share my thoughts on the community. I know uh, you're right. Some characters are not as important in, in other K dramas, but then you have the community and my mistress super important. And then even like things like Vincenzo, the community was important. So it really makes a difference. But this particular that particular moment, I also felt sad for Gian saying that because I think she just. At 21 years old, she basically was saying she wanted to fast forward her life because she just didn't like it. I mean, she wasn't she wasn't in it. You know, she was like, oh, my gosh, I maybe if I fast forward, I'll be 40. And it's, I don't even think she thought it would be better life. She just wanted to, like, skip years to not be what she was experiencing now. But you're right. When they stopped and looked at her, I saw a look of I, I thought everybody was pleasantly like empathetic. But she realized they were looking at her. Remember, she was like, what did I just say? And, and then let me just set the scene up for you. My ultimate favorite scene, though, was when they walked her to her door, looked after her. They asked somebody to look after her. But then she said, and I did a YouTube on this. Thank you. I don't think she's ever said that in her life, is what I gathered. When she bowed. And when you bow, you know, she bowed and then said, thank you as in a very formal sense. So it's very, when you see that as a Korean, she meant it in a most honoring form to everybody. And then they took it. They were like, oh, go to bed. Good night. Don't, don't worry. I mean, they thought nothing of it. But the moment for me, when I realized Jian was um, shifting herself is when she accepted their kindness and was like, 
this is a good community. So I'm going to say thank you. And you don't see that in her bitter character way before that, if that makes sense. So that community changed her. It, it absolutely true, did. But the community changed her. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely did change her. And at the end of the show, I think she even says like, if I'm reborn, I want to be born in this neighborhood. Yeah, she did say Which that. Which is yeah. like, oh. <laughs> I love the little, the older woman befriending her. Mm-hmm. And taking care of her. So the, and that's another chunk, just being like, hey, you want to sleep in my place? You're welcome. You're you're here. Let's be friends. I mean, she didn't have to say that. She could just say, Let's, you could just sleep here and that's it. But she's like trying to befriend a 21-year-old girl. That's another example of just like things inexplainable that I think that's just so so heartwarming to see. Yeah. Um, and I do want to touch on like happiness, which you also mentioned prior, how the show is almost like a, a call to action for us to be happy and to appreciate life. Um, at some point they say like, let's be happy over drinks. And it is like a big, very big, uh, moment for them to just be like, you know, cheer up fighting. Uh, let's be happy. Like, let's, let's make this the goal just to be happy. And her name, I think at some point they said her name was means to reach comfort. And I was like, oh, my God, like that's even more. (laughs) Wow. I don't remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, No, the be happy thing. I get made fun of sometimes, uh, even by clients or fellow just friends. They're like, "Okay, Jeannie, you're always saying let's be. I mean, you're always saying it's about being happy. And I was like, what's wrong with saying that? Like, who doesn't want to be happy? (laughs) And then people are like. Oh, right. Yeah, you're right. Good point. But I'm like, we don't say happy enough because it could be frowned upon going, what, like, what do you mean be happy? Corporate America, we work hard. We're not happy. I mean, you know what I mean? And then Koreans, which is so funny that this was about being happy, also overwork and don't talk about being happy. Uh, And I'm being literal, like my goal would want to be happy. I don't know about yours. Like I want to be happy in the things I do. I want to be happy with my friends. I love to be happy with my uh, hobbies. And so when she was like, that sobbing scene, yes, spoiler alert, but sobbing scene in episode 14, I want to say, where she's like, I just want you to be happy. She meant it to that, like to her death, basically. And she's sobbing and he's like holding back tears and saying, okay, I will be happy. Just you watch. He's not trying to prove to her. He goes, he wants to prove to himself and the world that I'm going to be happy. And then that last, basically their last time together before she moves on to her future was like, let's be happy and drink to it. You know, can't you, we don't say that. Enough. Do you say that? I don't say that every day. I say it to people and I'm telling them as a call to action, but let's be mindful about trying to make, um, make ourselves happy. And why not make that a goal? And then mm-hmm. everything else I have to do has to do with that. Right. But yeah, yeah. I, I think I love that. They said that. It's beautiful. Point. It's beautiful. It's poetic. And, um, it also feels like it goes hand in hand with this other side story of the neighborhood friend who became a monk, like a Buddhist monk. That whole storyline, I couldn't wrap my head around it for the longest time. I found it very weird because his whole rationale for becoming a monk was that he didn't want to own anything. He considered that if he built his life around what he could acquire, like a wife, a house, a car, kids, a job, that if he lost any of those things, he would crumble. Like his whole foundation was built on a meaningless stuff is what he like considered. And I almost felt like, oh, wow, he's so cool for doing that. Like just giving up everything and like going to live in the mountains and being a monk. And he's so cool. Monk with a cell phone. And <laughs> and at the end, I don't think he made the right choice because to me, 
at the end of the show, when you kind of see him blocking out everything and meditating, it was almost like a last ditch effort to like make uh, validate your his decision to become a monk where he's like, oh, I'll just like shut everything down, meditate and maybe I'll get recentered and be the monk that I'm supposed to be like the good Buddhist monk that I initially set out to be instead of this being the escape and this being me um, trying to avoid Mm -hmm. these things that made me guilty. Yeah, you're right. It is. I'll be honest too. um, That's not like my favorite part of the story. It definitely felt it was interesting seeing even Ajashi or Pak go visit him and their friends. And obviously he was part of their whole gang. And let's be real about how they used to be in love, the girl, the bartender girl who owns a bar and well, she's still in love with him, right? I did think that I'm like, how does this play a role in it? And maybe it's more about her story, but you're right. I didn't quite, under, I'll be honest. I don't quite understand it, except I'll share one thing. I think he really did want to be a monk or, I mean, I took it literally like, you felt like it was your spiritual calling. You did end up hurting the woman you love, but I guess you, it wasn't that was love and wasn't enough for you as in you, you wanted to follow your spiritual love. That was the way I interpreted it. She was devastated clearly. So I felt very empathetic for her and then, and then felt like saying, Hey woman, you know, she was like my client, but you, de- you deserve someone who will actually love you whole hundred percent. I know he became a monk and that's the guy you love, but that was his calling and he chose that. So then that you deserve someone who will choose you. That kind of makes sense. But that's, I just took it literally. He just wanted to be a monk. Yeah. He, had to, he, had to, he definitely had to um, weed out the noise because she did come. She still is in his head going, how could you do this to me? So I think he didn't need to do that, but I think he was, he's dead set on, I'm meant to be a monk. That's the, that's the feeling I got. Yeah. I don't think he's ever not going to be a monk, but I do feel like he's, I think he's, knows that he's made this mistake, like with the relationships in his life. And it's almost as if he's died. Like the way that she reacts to people talking about him and saying his name and the way that Pak Dong-un is so like almost devastated that he doesn't have his friend anymore. I, on some level, I- Almost like we need to see a prequel. What happened? Like what happened? His sharing, but I will share, he does come to somewhat- to come to reconcile. Remember, he comes back at the end with flowers. It's kind of his way. I think that's his way of saying, not like I'm going to give up my yeah. life more like, let me, let me kind of figure out how to work with you here. Cause I never really maybe explained. Maybe he just went, I'm going to be a monk. Hmm. It's God's calling. See ya. You know what I mean? And maybe that's how we handle it, which is very not good with relationships. But I think I saw, I think we see him trying to come back and go, all right, let me be in your lives. Cause he, he, you can be a monk and still have friends. You know, it's just that you are bound to, right. a, you know, monastery or whatever. But I think he, you're right. I think he kind of closed himself off a little bit, like detached mm-hmm. and, and it was him coming back too. So there was that story there, but yeah, I was always like, this is interesting. This, this it's interesting cool. because Pak Dong-un in his like a voiceover and stuff, he seems to admire this choice that his friend made, even if it hurts him deeply that he doesn't have his friend, uh, you know, around anymore. Um, I think men and, are different, right? That they can respect that where the woman is like, how, how, how do you? How could you? Yeah. yeah. And on some level, the bartender lady, like, I, I don't want to delve too deep in her stuff because um, it feels like it wasn't resolved in a satisfactory way to me at all. But 
her journey is a little bit tough to believe because it has been like 20 years since the relationship crashed and burned. And it does feel like he, even though he um, suddenly became a monk and did not tell her when and where this was going to happen, like she went on the hunt for him or something like 20 years ago, it was like this whole like drama. Um, She has time. She's had time to like rebuild herself, you know, and she didn't that it was that long. You're right. I wish it was more like 10 years or five years or something. Like I was like 20 years. Even remember like Pakshan's mom's like, listen, woman, get your act together. Remember that scene? She's like, gosh, she's been gone for 20 years. So it just shows that maybe just showing her um, really, like we're supposed to really get her struggle of she never could move on. So she did all this traveling and all this stuff every once in a while. But I guess he just left her scarred, which be honest with you can happen. It was be sad. It's sad for 20 years, you know, yeah. she a better life, but but yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that that was a little bit unrealistic of like, can it be like five? 20 years? I know, 20 Jeez. years. So basically for <laughs> entire adult life, practically, it sounds like they were like early 20s, mm. you know, um, when they fell in love and had this relationship and he's been gone that long. But remember, he comes back with the flowers or like to make amends. I don't think he came back for 20 years is what I'm trying to tell you. Like, as in he stayed at the monk, see ya, no explanation. She was like, what the heck just happened? Where this 20 years later, he finally comes to say a little bit of like, like, you know what I mean? Coming back to say, I know I became a monk, but I I feel like I can explain to you. Or I don't know. I don't think she, he gave her anything. So I think that's the sense I got that she was left with like in limbo. And I know that can leave you traumatized that you stay like that for like a long period of time, if that makes sense. Yeah, she definitely didn't give her any heads up. He he even says, like, why did I avoid this neighborhood? It's only an hour and a half away from the yeah. mountain. Yeah, so there was, like, no reason. But he, he avoided her, and she, like, avoided him out of, like, spite, I think. But, um, yeah, very weird, odd relationship that, like, never got closure. And at the end, I don't almost don't feel like it even got closure with the flowers. So I, I don't no, know. No, no, I think it was just, yeah, that's a side. That's another side story, maybe showing her development. But, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause it's like, I think I just kind of went, okay, that's interesting. Let's another story. <laughs> well, let's get back to the good stuff. So this show does a really good job of exploring, putting your faith in someone and being nice and the term good person, like being a good person. Um, a huge shift in Gian, uh, when Ajashi says you're nice, he tells her you're nice after he helps her take care of the harmony. And what did she do? She like took the harmony out in a shopping cart to see the moon. Like that was like, which the logistics of that were like very difficult. And he helps her. And after all of that, he says, you're nice and walks away. (laughs) And she's like, whoa, it like blew her mind. Um, She never had that. He, I think he was the first one to even to look at her as a person. And she shares that later. So I remember seeing that going, that's really sweet. So I'll be honest with you. First couple of times I was like, oh, that's nice. But it hit me later, which is why I went back to that scene going, oh, I don't think anybody's actually seen or heard her or validated her and then saw her as a person. And so I, and you're right. I don't think she heard nice words, you know, and let's bring, let's, okay. So let's, uh, let me bring that in and then show you the ripple effect of what it does to Chang Gyeong's character, Chang Gyeong, the, the, um, the hello shark. Um, yes, the loan shark, the deck collector. Yeah, I was like shark tooth. I mean, like loan shark. Yes, shark tooth. Okay, loan shark. 
he I also actually liked his character too not because it's Chungyong but maybe but um he changes at the end too because of the ripple effect of Ajisi to IU uh, to him when he overheard her saying things about him that maybe he hadn't heard except from her like 20 some years later or whatever okay they're not that old but he didn't get that he had a terrible life too basically. And, and I guess you're thinking because he has a terrible life, he terrorized her, but I also think he, there's a little depression on him too, but he has his own trauma, but I didn't really want to look at him too much, but I just want to share the ripple effect of kindness. Yeah. IU to IU saying, no, he was actually a really chakan, you know, good guy too. He was good to me. I think he needed to hear that. And then he heard it and you saw his face change. Yes. I I remember I got chills watching this thing. Oh, I go, Ooh, He's changing. And then he kind of does change at the end. Yes. He, I couldn't get a read on this character for the longest time because it seemed like he had such a weird infatuation with her and, you know, sorry, I had to mute for a second because there was, (laughs) there was some sirens going by. Um, Yeah. He had like a weird infatuation with her. He would beat her up on Monday and then like be at her door and want to be near her on Tuesday. And it turns out like through those like recordings that he listened to that they both had like very conflicted feelings for each other that, yeah, she says that he's, he was nice and he used, he didn't used to look so scary. Mm -hmm. Um, And just that admission from her like changes their whole relationship without any provocation or like words with Gian directly it made her, it made him help her in the end and like send in all of those recordings so that she would get out of jail time. And it felt like, again, like you said, like a ripple effect where Ajishi made her believe that she could be a good person. She indirectly made this debt collector feel the same, feel that he could be a good person too, that he's not this scary loan shark. He could be more. Yes. Um, okay. So I'm going to get a little bit like mental health kind of like, but it's, I think it's important people know this. This is a teaching moment here. He um, was abused himself. He witnessed abuse from the, I mean, obviously we, if you guys know the story, right? IU ended up, okay. I won't even say that, but IU was also, IU's grandmother was abused by the, his dad. So all that trickles and affects a kid. So Chang Kyung, obviously his character grew up pretty in a very difficult home, witnessing all that. So of course you learn that behavior and you end up doing it to somebody else. So Jian happened to be his victim, but I do believe he was in love with her or, and yes, weird infatuation, but I actually believe he had strong feelings for her and liked her from the get go, like she said, but I really did believe that she did not so much in the sense of she didn't have the same romantic feelings back, but he was there for her when they were younger but he's also witnessed abuse and had his own trauma. So think about that. That tri- triple uh, ripple effect of trauma affected him, him as an adult, decided to just give it all out to Gian. At the same time, loving her, he's a tortured soul. But she also fought back. So that pissed him off more as what happens in an abuser going. Remember, she was getting very empowered going, oh, keep hitting me. Oh, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh, this is funny. La ha ha laughing in your face. He's like, how dare you? But there is a moment he shares this is a pivotal moment before he hears her tapes. He goes, I can't decide on some days whether I'm going to uh, hurt myself or kill myself or kill you. Mm. 
that to me, just to share, this is the mental health moment of education. He is tortured and miserable and traumatized himself. So it wasn't so much Gian that he uh, had to abuse for, for her. It's himself so tortured, didn't know what to do. I'm just going to beat up this one person who I can do to, that to. Does that make sense? It almost feels like a form of like self-harm to me because yeah, he like, loved her in his way and hurting her hurt him. And he's already yeah. like hurting. It's weird. It's, it it's is weird. No, and it's, that's, that's the very harsh part, but I will say, remember he, he tracked her. He's like, wait a second. Who's this? I just, she, I'm seeing her smile. Who she's smiling at? He had his own. I almost felt a little like, oh, bad for him going, oh, oh, I wonder if this is going to change him. And it, I think it does. Yeah. So I think him seeing that she's happy. So it's very complicated. But like, I think at the end, when you said he made the right choice to help her, he was very feeling good because he's like, you know what? She said I was kind. I think I am kind. I think I can be kind. That's what I'm thinking is in his head. And then you yeah. see him walk off with some peace. Yes, there is peace. I hope that he would have a better life is what I'm envisioning. Yeah, me too. Um, Definitely the weirdest second male lead I've ever seen in a gay drama. (laughs) (laughs) I could see that. And even then he was barely a character, but he did some good acting. I don't like seeing Chang Young in that role, but he's, um, but he was good. Like he was definitely mean and scary. Yeah, he was, um, what else have I seen him in? I've seen him in like My Roommate is Gumio and a couple of other things, but this I'm was hugging. the most, the most vilest that I've seen him. Yeah, that's right. He's a little, uh, I love him in um, Go Back Couple. Oh, okay. I haven't yeah. seen that one. Oh, he's so cute in that, that you're just like, oh, and then, and then you see my mystery, you're like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, he's scary. Oh, like, guys. Oh. In fact, I went, who is, I go, that is Twang Yong. So I thought, good acting. But, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. the uh, aura or whatever he's putting out in this show is like vile and uh, kudos vile. to him for, for really like, he looked unrecognizable, even though he's, I, I didn't know who he was. I was like, yeah. who is that? Yeah. Yeah. So he did a great job. My mister. Yeah. So this show also does a lot of talking about failure and bragging and what you can do about both of them. Um, because the fi- for me, like the film director brother is the poster child for failure because he, um, you know, failed in his chosen career. He's a creative and he kept he kept getting visited by this like former actress who never made it in the biz. And it seems like at first that she likes him, but then she mostly sticks around because his horrible life makes her feel better about her own failure. And it wasn't that her terrible acting skills made his career flounder. He just failed on his own. Like she's not responsible for his um, failure. And that made her feel good. (laughs) They're both odd characters too. No, it made her feel good. That's another patheticness of the story. Pathetic is not the right word, but that's how pathetic they were. Yeah. Struggling at the time as we're watching. But I also like their character development and see what, I mean, that's what I mean. You watch the show and you end up going, there's hope in this world or there is good in this world or wow, if they can do it, so can I kind of thing, you know, but you're yeah. like failure and just having to navigate feeling like a failure. What, how can you navigate that? Cause and they show that you can, you, you can, can. there, you know, they kind of make it seem like when they were fired, when they lost their business, when they failed at their, uh, you know, film career that they, 
felt like they were on the edge of a cliff. And then all of a sudden there was just more like, you know, okay, I'll just be a cleaner. Oh, okay. I'll do this. Oh, I'll go into business here. And like, it's not this like end of end all be all thing that they kind of made up in their head, which I like because at the end of the day, he kept saying like, I feel kind of fulfilled. Like I'm cleaning all day and I, I like working with my hands. I like being on my feet and it feels like I've done something like today. Versus, you know, how I felt before where I was like kind of like waiting around and kind of working between being, things. And being bitter. Like, you know, I looked at the motions. He was just bitter, resentful um, is what I sense. Well, we don't see it all the time, but just what I sense is that because he even sounds bitter when he sometimes talks. Mm. But then that last moment of well, for him, what it looked like, sorry, the, the movie director, what just or screenwriter or whatever he was just coming with stories because of the success that he saw the actress had. That's another ripple effect of like, look, okay. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh my gosh, it's so well done. When I think about that, he had to start writing after the moment of he saw her in a movie. Like, you don't have to do it that way. You could just be like, let me just start writing. I'm motivated now. But he saw her success, cracked up her acting and, and thought it was good. And then thought, oh, I can do this and let me start. And I thought that was so cool. Yeah, because he knew her. He knew her journey. He knew that he affected her journey um, in a major way and just seeing her overcome everything, even though their relationship didn't last, their romantic relationship didn't last. It almost like he, she was like amused for him at the end of the day where he was finally like, okay, maybe I, maybe I do have a little bit of skills here. Like, cause she kept saying you have talent. Why don't you get back into film? Like you should try again. And he would get annoyed by that. But at the end of the day, like her words finally sunk in and he starts writing again. And it's like very uh, fulfilling to see that. It is. And it, and it, but I think the lesson with failure or like failing through things is also sometimes people have to come to their own. It, it's about timing and whether they're ready. Mm. I, I'm sharing that because that's another life lesson. I feel like people get pushed to do something. It's not their time. They're not ready. Even if you think they're the most talented person, you're like, do it. You know what I mean? It, it mm. can actually stress that person out more when they're like, but I don't feel that way. So you got, they have to feel that way. They I agree. He was ready I agree. at that time, which mm-hmm. took, some, what, took a couple years after she left and became famous. It was like at least a couple years in there, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. Before. There was a little bit of a time jump there and he certainly wasn't ready to like pick up a pen again and start writing right away. So I do completely agree with you that it's all about timing as well. Like even if you hear a good thing 20 times on the 21st time you're ready and you're like, oh, like fertile ground. So um, I, the last thing that I have in my notes is about the old chairman and like him versus the executives and this work culture that is really pervasive and nasty and how the old man I felt had such a Western outlook on professionalism and relationships between higher ups and subordinates. And he stops to talk to like the building janitor and appreciates hard work and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps because he started from the bottom. He built the company from nothing, but his executives find this mentality like so repulsive and they're stuck in this like Korean way, like strict social hierarchy. You don't rub elbows with like low class people and the Ajashi comes into play here and he's not concerned at all with being successful. He's not a braggart. And that puts him at odds with like everybody because he's automatically more on the chairman's side and on the chairman's um, mentality than anybody else that's on the executive team. 
Yeah, that, that's the office politics, right? I, I mean, that's the whole office size story, which is, I want to say, a chunk of the whole K-drama, like, uh, you know, underlining a lot of the nuances and relationship things that we're seeing, that that political stuff that kind of got annoying in the sense of, like, I couldn't stand the executives. Like, mm. you, you sit there and you just want to slap the guy with the glasses. I was like, I'm going to slap that guy through the, through the thing. And I, even as I continue to watch it, I still get very, it, it just kind of, I just don't like that, right? But mm-hmm. But the whole point is to show, I, I want to say that, I thought it was very realistic to show, honestly, more realistic to see how the executives acted. And the fact that this older chairman, like you said, was very westernized, progressive, progressive. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking that. I just thought, oh, he's such a super cool guy. (laughs) But I realized, yes, that perspective was so different. And in the end, what are they trying to get the message out? Who wins in the end was, I guess, we hope this is always going to be the pace, but the, the people who do right or who do well, who are who show integrity will at the end come out strong or like come out and win. I don't, when is that the right word? You know, I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Karma, (laughs) Um, you know, karma. And and I do believe in karma. I will say what goes around comes around. So that's the whole point of, I like that they showed that. And I do believe he wasn't brown nosing or anything like that. No, no, you're right. He just had the same values and the chairman being using his nunchi. (laughs) <laughs> knew it and believed he was worth so much more. And I loved when he walked in on that testimonial scene and Gian like stops and he's like, keeps go, she keeps going, but he walked in when she's sharing emotionally what this office means to her, the company, not office company. And I love that moment because that is also Chung. Think about it. If you hate a place, you hate a place. But if you like Jessica, you and I meet and we meet at like the Statue of Liberty and it's always going to be meaningful because you and I met at the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. And she said she met Pak Tungun in this, which was not the best office atmosphere, but it's always going to be special to her because of that. And he heard that. And that probably literally is like hitting him in the heart because he's like that. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? And he, I think if you remember, he closed his eyes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. He's like this. <laughs> that meant a lot to him. And meanwhile, the executors are like, what is she sharing? But you see their face too going, oh crap, we lost. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking, oh crap, she's sharing something like poignant. I don't know. That's just my funny moment. But yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. They, they, they get almost, they give up. Like it seems like the executives who were on the attack were just like, okay, well that's, that's that. <laughs> like the chairman heard her. Um, very emotional, just about yeah, Dr. Pak Tung-un and how he um, accepted her and how, you know, why she was hired and all this stuff. It was just very moving. And I, I feel like Pak Tung-un as a character, um, they said at one point, he said what his name meant too. And his name meant, Dong meant power. And the best definition of a leader that I've found are those who serve others and don't like lord over them. And Ajasi had the most power, like his name says, and he had the most influence because he came at it from a servant's heart. And and guess what? When okay, spoiler alert, when he starts his own company, they all follow him. So yeah. he was they let he led in his own way. You're right. As, as he got out of the depression. That, that, that's what I mean. He was clouded by everything, but they follow all of them followed him, which mm-hmm. I want to point out is unique. I mean, yeah, you you can follow your previous manager and go to a company. I, I know that happens, but they all very loyal to him. And I love seeing the happiness when he got promoted yeah. in the office. 
there's happy. And, um, and I think I saw him smile too, meaning he was ready for that. So there's so, I mean, like I said, every scene in my Mr. 10 soldier bottles out of five <laughs> deserves, um, to be rewatched like an Oscar winning moment. You know, I was like, that's, 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 that deserves an Oscar right there. When, yeah. when the entire office claps or his team claps for him. And then they're all in the car together in their new jobs. Yeah. It's beautiful. The ending is beautiful. It is a happy ending. I wouldn't say it's a textbook happy ending, but we do get, no, it's not a textbook happy ending, but it is a very satisfying and touching um, ending where everyone becomes happy. Everyone becomes peaceful. Everyone finds their strength. Everyone finds their, their um, joy. And it, it feels um, well-rounded in that sense where every character arc seemed to have a nice discernible uh, finale for everybody, yeah. especially our main two, right? Ayu and, uh, well, Ijeon and Pak Dong-un. Well, they're, and, and not only are they uh, successful, let's just put it out there and what they're doing, they are happy. Yeah. And he asked for that, you know, in his head, are you happy? Yeah. yeah. It's a nice, uh, I like to say like, oh, full circle moment where, you know, you had this show that was like in the winter most of the time. And, you know, you had that scene of Ajashi like literally like laying in the snow, like complete despair. And then you have this ending scene, which seems to be in the spring or summer. The whole look of the show is different and everyone's smiling. People look different. Ayu doesn't have bags under her eyes. Like it is a complete physical change for them. You for pointing that out but yeah and but the key is that it shows that they're happy and oh. i just have to say that I, I think that was the last line yeah it's the last line in the in the whole k drama are you happy yes mm. <laughs> on that note i think i have run out of things to say um do you have <laughs> any last words for um, um this my last word is uh again i'm going to reiterate when people look, look at me skeptically um when I do recommend watching it or highlight like this, I can froth at the mouth. If I love something, they'll be like, Oh my gosh, calm down woman. I will go my mister, my mister, my mister. Um, I still mean it like, and if, even then there's some point things that you pointed out that I'm like, I forgot that. So I'm thinking, I'm going to go back to that scene. <laughs> but I hope others can, I hope you guys, when you watch this, that you'll feel the same effect of just, uh, learning about life, learning about yourself, but also at the end, feeling some comfort and joy. That sounds so cliche, but that's really what you'll experience at the end. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Thank you. Um, that's beautiful. And before we get out of here, I want to thank you so much, Jeannie, for coming on the show. Um, where can we find you online? Well, thanks for having me so much. I love our K-drama community, which is growing. Um, you can find me as Nunez Nunchi um, on IG and of course, Facebook, but also on YouTube. And so that's the YouTube came out of a community of students that were like, Jeannie, you say all this stuff. Can you just put on a YouTube? I'm like, huh? I was like, okay, but it's on there. And, and my mister, it's so funny. I would actually do a whole year of my mister, but I was like, no, I better mix it up for a little bit. So you'll still see my <laughs> mister here and there, but I'll mix it up going, I've done my mister last month. Okay. Let me give a pause and do other K dramas. And then go back to my mister. <laughs> I haven't even, and now after talking to you, Oh, I'm going to say, hey, by the way, because of Jessica, I'm going to be doing <laughs> a deep dive on this one scene. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nunchi. Thank you. Nunes Nunchi. Thank you so much, Jeannie. Um, that's been our show. I'm Jessica, and this has been ATC Presents Debak K Rambles. <laughs> Thank you.
慢慢。